Now we've got to scramble. Walsh around the body, doesn't miss. What a star this young man is. To Kurnow. And Charlie Kurnow off one step. Just went bang. Durden, he saw his way through. And Honey Milk didn't put it right through the middle. Big moment. Kennedy, Walsh, bends it. Brilliant. This kid just keeps on rising. Gives it a roost. He gives it a magnificent roost. He kicked the goal. Walsh, here he is, straightens up and has delivered. Is there nothing this young man can't do? G'day, Blue Baggers, and welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. Your host, Jed Zetzer, with you today, alongside my co-host, Harrison Hyman's-Bolt. We're doing it over Zoom today, but it's a pleasure to have you on. It's good to be here. Um, Yeah, back on the Zoom, and yeah, we'll get straight into it, I reckon, with this one, because I reckon there's a lot to get through. Absolutely. There's so much to get through. And yes, we are doing this over Zoom. Obviously, Bolt went to Perth for the game. So we're going to hear all about that. But uh, yeah, apologies in advance for the audio quality, which may not be as good as it usually is. Bolt, uh, before we dissect the match itself, what are your thoughts on Perth? I know it's your first time going to Perth. How have you enjoyed your time there? Been good. I've been trying to get here for a number of years now. I know whether it's Carlson or Melbourne Victory, and I've had it booked a few times. And I guess with COVID and whatnot, it's just never worked out. So I jumped at the chance and it's actually been quite nice. I'm staying in the city, which is, it's a very well-maintained city. It's very clean, which is good. Um, And yeah, I spent Friday night down in Fremantle, which was, yeah, buzzing. It was really good. And before the game out in Burswood, where the stadium is, was an absolute vibe. The pub outside the, I forgot what it's called now, whatever it's called, the, the pub right outside the stadium is exceptional. I think it fits like two and a half thousand people. There's function rooms, there's Crazy. heaps of bars. It was, it was an absolute vibe before the game and the weather's been elite. I haven't seen a cloud. Amazing. We'll have to get there later in the year when we play the Eagles again. For sure. And the WA fans can vouch for me. The pub outside Optus Stadium, like there's no reason why we can't put one in Yarra Park outside the MCG. The amount of foot traffic it generates, it's unbelievable. It's awesome. Bolt, the match itself, talk to me. Initial thoughts after that one. Yeah, it, it, we just never looked likely, did we? I, I, even, you know, we let it quarter time and we could just never get the game on our own terms. And, you know, we could never get playing the way that we like to play. You know, it was very slow early. And like free, testament to Freo, they're a pretty good side. But, yeah, it was just slow. It was laborious. And I tweeted at quarter time saying, you know, this is going to be a grind either way. So... And, and it felt like that, you know, they just slowed us down when we had ball in hand. So yeah, it was very, it was a very tough game for us to get real, to get our DNA over it, really. No, I agree. I think uh, pretty much from the get-go, you know, even though we scored, you know, we kicked the first few goals, Freo looked better. Um, and yeah, credit where credit's due. Fremantle are a terrific side. I really think they are. They're definitely going to play finals. They yeah. play a really good brand of footy. They're exciting to watch. So um, credit, yeah. where, credit where credit's due. Well done to the Dockers. But from a Carlton point of view, I, I thought this was a really disappointing effort. Um, and yeah, just, I guess, a wasted opportunity at the end of the day. It was. And yeah, they absolutely smashed us on transition. You know, they were just so... Their little mosquito fleet of like Schultz and Switkowski and Frederick and those guys, they are superb. They really are. And I mean, um, they, were, they were missing Chapman and Young. Could you imagine if they had played? It would have been an absolute demolition. 
I know, and, and it just shows that Freo's got layers. You know, Tabena was, you know, lifeless really, but, you know, upstep the, the guys I mentioned and upstep Rory Lobb and it was a real team effort. You know, they, they are quite good and they just, they played us perfectly. We played right into their hands. We did. I want to go, firstly, we have to start from a Carlton point of view, we have to start with Patrick Cripps because yeah. he's he's a monster. I mean, this is this is the Patrick Cripps of 2019. He's back. Three goals, 32 disposals. Uh, he went at 81% efficiency, seven score involvements, five tackles, four marks, eight clearances. He had the two marks inside 50 as well. I mean, he's just seriously, is if not the very best player in the competition, he couldn't be far behind. And I think that, you know, last night, I mean, this year, no other player in the competition has had 30 disposals and kicked three goals, and Cripps has done it twice. Yeah, he is, to put it lightly, he's a monster. He really is. He um, he just leads from the front. What a captain. You know, he kicked our first three goals after halftime as well. Just exceptional, you know. He's And, and what an asset now that he's become, because he's never really been that goal-kicking midfielder. And, you know, he's so reliable at the moment from the set shot. He's just, he does it all, really. He's so hard to tackle. He's... Stoppage work was brilliant again. He um the only thing, well, it wasn't on him, but when he kicked that, I think he kicked his second goal when he got the high tackle from Schultz, and it was fifty to the goal square. It was it put us back within four goals, and it was such an opportunity for our boys to rally for their captain, rally for their team, and get right into the grill of Lockie Schultz. And there was just nothing. There was mm-hmm. no support, and it summed him up. It was Cripps leading on his own, really. Yeah, well, it's yeah. It's really disappointing and you know he was he was ridiculously good last night um i just want to go through his stats that he's averaging this year so he's kicked 10 goals in four games it's crazy like for a midfielder who i guess goal kicking has always been it's always probably been his one knock is that he hasn't been great in front of goal not very accurate i guess in 2019 he did hit the scoreboard but not particularly from set shots where he's added that to his game now. Can't work out how many disposals he's averaging, but including that Gold Coast game where he played, what, half a quarter, was it? Yep, thereabouts. Including that game, he's averaging 27 disposals. So, I mean, yeah, just a monster, this man. is. He's an absolute gun, and this game that we just played is on Brownlow night. This is almost going to be the game where if he's polling in a game like this, you just know he's going to be on for the night. Well, I can't I can't justify anyone else getting three votes ahead of him. And I know we lost. I know we lost. Yep. But he was just clearly the best player on the ground. And you've got to honour that. Oh, it doesn't, I, I agree. You know, it, it wasn't like I, it was close and then, oh, you go, all right, well, it was close, so you give it to the winning team. It wasn't close. You know, Fremantle was a team effort. They had a lot of contributors. They had a lot of players who played brilliantly well. But in terms of the best player on the ground, I don't think anyone was close to Cripps. Yeah, I think the only one that can maybe stake a claim is Lockie Schultz. But yeah, it, it's, it, was a, it was just an amazing game from Cripps. It really was. And even the Fremantle, I sat in, as in the whole stadium was very much dominated by Fremantle, but I sat in a real Fremantle area on the wing. And even they were lauding how good he is. Mm. Uh, it was just incredible. Yeah, absolutely superb. Thank God he's back and how grateful are we? How grateful are we to have him back? Bolt, let's talk for a minute about 
H and Pidanek because the injuries came quickly last night and they really hurt us. H obviously had a few tumbles early in the game and then a knee injury came from it. He ended up playing out the game, but I think he was clearly hampered by some sort of injury. Um, And then there was Pidanet who got crushed in the knee by Darcy in a ruck contest early. And that was his game done and quite possibly could be a fair chunk of his season done as well. Um, Just quick thoughts on those two injuries. Well, I guess we've stated it countless times the, you know, how important Mark Pittenet is to the way we play. And yeah, it, it was a monster loss. It really was against a Ruckman who is very good as well and who towed us up last year at the MCG and Sean Darcy. But I think, you know, with Pittenet, yeah, as in, look, I, I've seen a lot of feedback on Twitter that it was intentional, so and so. I think it's very stiff to put that on Sean Darcy. It should have been a free kick. I don't disagree with that, but. You know, at the end of the day, it was a rough contest. It was a knee clash. And, you know, unfortunately, shit happens. And it went against us. And no pit in there. I'm not sure what the talk is on him, but I was hearing at the ground they were saying PCL. Yeah, that's what um, I heard. So, you know, whether that's eight to 12 weeks or who knows, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a sizable out if that is the case. But fingers, you know, it looked like he was trying to get back on at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I think they were trying to make the call. Look, I think it's safe to say he's not going to play next week. You know, it's just, it's an astronomical out. In terms of importance, he's right up there for us. And it's, you know, we've sort of spoken about this. He's in career best form. He's, you know, statistically this year, he's the number one tap ruckman in the comp. Um, You know, he's just, he's been unbelievable. His follow-up efforts, his clearances, He's just been fantastic for us. And we saw against Gold Coast what happened when we went without him. And last night, I actually thought DeConning played okay. Like, I thought he was... No, I agree. I, 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 thought I actually he was quite good. DeConning was much improved. Yeah, I, I thought DeConning was quite good last night, which probably, you know, if we can get that out of him every week, it may not mean the Pitonet out is as significant. But, you know, DeConning's still young and games like against the Gold Coast, that's going to happen throughout the season if there's no Pitonet. So, oh, you know... No doubt. You know, possibly... Do we look at maybe blooding Murkov a couple of years earlier than we may have wanted to? It's a great conversation because, yeah, as well, as in Murkov is the next tap ruckman as such in line, but whether I, I just don't reckon they'll go with him. As in, they'll get Silvani back next week, and they'll probably just go with him and Deconning like they were at the back end of last year. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Even old mate Lewis Young had a run in the ruck for a bit. He did, and he had to run up forward. I feel like, you know, at the end of the game, that was just Vossi just sort of throwing a couple pieces around. Um, yeah. Thoughts on Lewis Young's performance? We will start with the back line, so we may as well start with Young. What were your thoughts? I didn't think much of it, to be honest. I thought he had the Rory Lobb matchup for most of the night, and it was, once again, just a clear weakness, that second key defender. Um, yeah, I, I did think he struggled a bit, and... Yeah, it was a bit of the same old for me with Young. I just think he gets he gets very lost under the ball when the ball's coming in high. Uh, he just, you know, I think he struggles with the balance of having fear with his opponent and knowing where the ball's going to drop. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's just such a shame because we've gone from, you know, having such a reliable second tall defender who it was, never, it was never really a worry, you know. It was... No, it wasn't. 
in a time where we had so many worries, it was not a worry. And now it's a significant worry. You know, Oscar McDonald only played, was it two games? But yeah, clearly his two games were, you know, he, he was more reliable, I guess, than Lewis Young has been. Um, but that could also be just because it happened to be the best two games we played this season. And yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's hard to judge, but I would be making that change if Oscar was fit just to give him another crack. But yeah, I mean, Lewis Young, he took a nice grab when he went up forward, but you know, at the end of the day, he got towed by Rory Lobb who towed us. So disappointing there. Uh, I thought Weedering was absolutely outstanding and thank God yeah. he played because we could have lost this game by 10 goals if he didn't. Oh, yeah, he's always outstanding, Weedering. He just, you know, Tabernick kicked seven last week. Tabernick barely got a significant late goal, which Weedering probably wouldn't have liked. But um, Weedering was outstanding again. He's such a general down there, isn't he? He is. I mean, I've, I, I can't remember the last time Weedering made an error. He's just one of those players who who genuinely makes no mistakes. Like, not one. Yeah, no, he's been great. And I feel like this, you know, the first six games of this year compared to his last two years, he's been a little, I feel like he's been a little bit more low key as well in just in terms of, you know, what he does during the game. It's been a bit more not as in your face outstanding, but like his defensive work is just brilliant. I think, you know, in the last two years, our defense has come under siege on multiple occasions. You know, there's been a lot of ball going into the D50 and Weedering's had to be the savior. But this year, obviously, we're a better team than what we have been in the last two years. So he hasn't had to do as much, but he still has done as much, if that makes sense. It just hasn't been yeah, as noticeable. No, oh, you know, his form definitely hasn't dipped. as It's probably only enhanced, but he's he really is exceptional. And he just gets the job done every week. He does. He does. He really does. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Matt Tabner coming off a game where he kicks seven goals. Uh, and he had one goal last night, just the one scoring shot. So um, Weedering, absolutely outstanding. Taking a look at the other defenders, Luke Parks, you know, obviously the third tall. What were your thoughts on Parks' game, Bolt? Same, same. I'm, I'm, I'm very much neither here nor there with Parks. I, I, I still, in my heart of hearts, I'd probably still play Plowman, to be honest with you, mm. ahead of Parks. Um, and that's not saying much about either. I just think Parks is a very average footballer. He didn't. He'll probably hold his spot because he wasn't. You know, he didn't do anything that was too distressing on the night. But yeah, uh, he's just he's very much neither here nor there for me. Fair enough. Um, and if you look at the VFL game, which we'll get onto later in the show, Plowman actually had a much better game this week in the two. So he probably will push for selection. I oh, know it was, it was last week. I think that Plowman was good. Yeah, I was gonna say, it was the traveling emergency last night. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It was last week, but yeah, nonetheless, you know, traveling emergency is going to push for selection. We'll see what they do in regards to parks. Our other defenders, I guess, you know, the rebound, I thought Saad was brilliant as per usual. Yep. Um, just noticeably one of our better players, Doherty, I thought, was outstanding last night. Doherty was good. Doherty was very good. Um, yeah, I mean, hard to as per, isn't it? You know, These are the guys that just regularly stand up. Saad, Saad was very good defensively. Um, he, he's, all, he's always, you know, elite defensively. He really is. He, um, We probably didn't get the ball to him as much as we would have liked to, you know, break some lines and, you know, get a bit of creativity. Um, you know, I think he got a lot of it late. 
But mm. yeah, his attacking game, Freo just didn't allow us to run and carry and really just damage them going the other way. But, you know, Saad defensively is always, you know, it's just, he's an astute defender, really. He's just, yeah, he's a brilliant footballer. And we'll pump him up because it's a week when Nick Hind has been omitted from the Essendon. I don't know why they come up in conversation. So, I mean, they're just just not in the same galaxy. No. And, you know, Nick Hind, we'll see how he goes in the VFL. I'm sure a big crowd will be out there to watch him on Anzac Day in the VFL. So, I'm excited for him. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, as per usual, very good. But just, yeah, we probably just couldn't use his run and carry as much as we would have liked early. Yeah. No, I mean, very good performance as per usual by Sadi and, yeah, the Doc as well, um, I think maintains his spot on the halfback flank in the Australian team. Zach Williams, I want to talk about Williams for a minute because um, there was one moment in this game and, and we speak about Williams' disposal every week, but this for me was just an inexcusable don't come Monday type of error. Yeah. Last quarter... I think we'd kicked one or two in a row. Like we were looking okay. You know, we never looked like we were going to win the game, but there was a point there where I thought possibly if we kick the next, we might just be a sniff. And for sure. And, As in, I think we had it at 21 points, did we? Yeah, it was maybe nine. It was something like that. It was around 20 points with about eight minutes to go. Like it was looking, you know, if we kicked the next, we were definitely a sniff. And yeah, Zach Williams turns it over in the defense of 50, kicked it pretty much straight to a Fremantle player and he runs in and kicks the goal. Yeah, just for me, that moment was, I guess it summed up our night pretty much. But uh, To be honest, I, I think it sums up him. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, that, that for me was almost my breaking point. No, it, it's an absolute, I, I'm going to be blunt. It was, it's an absolute disgrace. As in, firstly, you can't even say it was like a miss kick because the kick was just never on. I, I think there were, I think, was it the setter field? Was it kicking it too? The decision making there is just mindless. Oh, I, th- I think there were three or four around him. It was a little 25 meter stab kick, 30 meters out from goal. It was absolutely ludicrous. And to even like, th- like you know, you've just got to, these people just have to think like it's risk versus reward. Like, the risk is you're going to concede a set shot 30 out from goal. The reward is you advance 25 metres in your D50. As in, I, I've got no idea what was running through his head. And quite frankly, I never really do when he's got the ball. Yeah, it's becoming a serious issue for us. It really is. And, you know, what, what do we do with Zach Williams? Like, well, what... uh, once again, I actually thought his defensive side of the game was actually okay last night. Um, but... You know, he, you just don't want the ball in his hand. Yeah, and he naturally attracts a lot of the footy, which is all well and good. But shit, like it's an absolute, and I've said it before, it's an absolute heart attack. And you know, and in the game like that, imagine if we were three points up and that happened. Mm. And there's, it, it, it almost, yeah, it really like it, it really left me dismayed that like he's a pretty senior player in this team. And to make such, and I know we're, we're picking on him for one kick and I know the game probably wasn't going to be won either way, but it's just, you know, that can't escape assessment, like no. a decision like that. Cause it's not the first time it's happened. And I guarantee you, it won't be the last. Mm. It's a serious issue. It really is. Cause 
you know, he's actually exiting our defensive 50 or defensive half. You know, he has, what, 20 to 30 touches every game and most of them are exiting D50. And that is that is worrying. That's concerning because you just, you know that probably five out of 10 times he's not going to hit a target. Um, yeah, he's, he's just a really wild player and not in a good sense. No, I agree. It really, it really hurt us last night. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, he, he was pretty good defensively, um, which I guess he always is. You just don't want the ball in his hands. Now, Jordan Boyd came on as the sub. I, I'm just going to get straight into this. I'm going to be honest here. And for me, a guy who's come in as the sub, who should be doing absolutely everything he can to maintain his spot in the team, you know, you know, he's playing for his career every week. To give away some of those undisciplined, just ridiculous free kicks, and and he and he almost played Lockie Schultz into the game. Just for yeah. me, that is just not on. I just that really just disappointed me. Some so undisciplined I, I free kicks, which is something that we've been really tight on all year, is not giving away stupid frees. So I definitely know one of the free kicks when it was it would have been to the right. Right of the TV screen when yeah, we well, just pushed threw, him when the ball just, was coming in. Yeah, he just threw Schultz off the ball, which was silly. But it was, it was a weird one because he copped a lot of flack on Twitter last night, Boyd. And I didn't think he played well. But like the the mate that I went to the footy with, well, we like he he wasn't the name that we were kind of harping on about during and after the game. And I, I know he's copped a lot of you know interesting feedback on Twitter, but like. I, he was a strike. So I actually thought, you know, he, his smother on the wing was exceptional. I think there was a there was a block and then the follow up. Well, it led to a goal. It led to a goal. So I'm going to give him credit there. That was an outstanding smother. But I don't know with Boyd. I actually, I don't, I don't. This might rile some people up, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's named in the 22 next week. I'll put it to you this way: you were at the game. And I, and I said it last night, watching on the TV, is um, it's annoying because you can't see the whole ground. So I don't know. But you, also get, but you also get the access if you get to see it close up. So you get to see a lot of things that, you know, we can't see as well. No, I know. But and, you being at the game, you've obviously judged his game differently to me, for example, who watched it on TV. I mean, all the people on Twitter probably did watch it on TV. And on TV, it didn't look pretty. Um, I'll put it no. to you that way. As in, look, it wasn't a great game by any means, but I, I, I just thought being there, there were just so many worse, to be honest. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, obviously it wouldn't surprise me if he's not named in the 22, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't really, I, I don't know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't raise an eyebrow really if he was brought into the 22. I don't know. Another side of this argument is that why on earth was he the sub? You know, it's our most occupied position on the ground, the halfbacks. We've got Saad, Doherty, Newman's, you know, we've got so many Williams. We've got so many halfbacks or players capable of playing that role in the team. Why was he the sub? And and I mean, he's not versatile. It's literally the only role he can play. No, I I definitely agree with that sentiment. I, um, I can't disagree with that one. I guess the other options were Motlop, who you probably don't really want a small forward in your first game coming on, you know, given, you know, who could potentially go out of the team. And then the other one was Plowman, who probably, you know, if we really needed to, could have swung him forward or, 
he could have gone back and young go forward for most of the game. So they could have, you know, maybe it should have been Plowman, but I don't know. I, I, I actually thought it'd be the sub going into the night, but yeah, it is. I, I definitely agree with your sentiment that there's a lot of Jordan Boyd type plays already in the 22. Mm, yeah, I just just didn't rate the uh, the decision that he was the sub. I think we missed any defenders. Newman, thoughts on Newman's game? Yeah, same, same. Yeah, for me, I mean, I didn't really, right. I, I didn't notice him that much, which I guess isn't a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, no, for me, it was very much same, same. We'll get onto team changes later, but I guess the question I'll ask is: Is he possibly at risk of going out if Sock, if they were going to bring Stocker in, who had a really good game in the twos? Um, yeah, he could be. Oh, it'd be stiff though, wouldn't it? I think it would be stiff. It would be stiff, but. I guess that's the nature of footy. You know, if there's someone that's pressing their case behind you and you're not doing anything beyond the means of outstanding, you know, you leave yourself vulnerable. But no, I think Newman will be there next week. Um, moving into the midfield bolt, we're going we're gonna to go from the top down. Uh, we spoke about Cripps already. He had his own little segment on this show, and I think we've, uh, <laughs> we've covered him nicely. He is, once again, a monster. I think that was the word we both used to describe him. Um, and I, I messaged you after the game last night. I think I said, I think the message was, thank God, thank God we have Patrick Cripps. Oh, no, oh no. It's a bit like that, hey? It's a bit like the old days, 2018, 2019. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so Cripps... But he had a lot of mates middle. in the mid... He did have a lot of mates in the midfield No, so I was, was going to say, so our midfield was clearly our strong point. I thought... I thought Chera played his best game last night. I thought he was... Oh, I'm keen to speak about Chera. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I prepared myself, obviously, for the reception he was going to get with those people in the people wearing purple scarves, which is a <laughs> crime in itself. Um, but Chera, obviously, you know, he copped it early. And I'll tell you what, by the end of the night, the booze were just drained out because he just kept getting the pill. And Chera completely silenced the crowd. Obviously, we didn't get the win, but Chera, on a personal note, was brilliant. He really was. Yeah. And he was, he was I mean, I'll, I'll quickly read out his stats before you go on. So he had 32 disposals at 81% efficiency, um, which means 26 of them were effective. Five score involvements, four marks, five tackles, seven clearances, four inside 50s. I mean, that is a serious game of football. Yeah. No, no, he, he was superb. And, He's put together a pretty, a really good two week, a really good fortnight now for us after a pretty disappointing display on the Gold Coast. And now he can definitely leave with his head held high. And it was a bit bizarre walking into the game. Frio, obviously, this was Frio's marquee fixture. You know, the big boys from Victoria are in town on their Anzac Day weekend. You know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry in Perth had to come for the game to watch Fremantle play Carlson. And the advertising boards, you know, it had Brayshaw and Adam Chera standing behind him, looking away from the camera as they're advertising for the game. So I, I think they're a bit obsessed with him. So that him in a Carlson jumper. Yeah. Okay. I, I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. It was unbelievable. You walk into the ground, and it was as if they were trying to build this up. As it was like, oh, like the. The, the two guys from that draft, Brayshaw and Chera and going at meant, it. and Meant to be best mates. 
Yeah, but, oh, give me a spell. But Chera was very good, and yeah, um, you know, he it's always it's probably always it's very tough going back playing against your old team and getting that treatment from the crowd. But he responded really well. It was a very mature performance. He was great. Yeah, no, he seriously was. I think it was his best game of the year so far. Um, now, Sam Walsh, I thought he was terrific as well. Um, 36 disposals. He had the eight score involvements, three clearances, three inside 50s, three marks and four tackles. It was a pretty well-rounded game um, from yeah. Walshy. And, yeah, I mean, we never have a bad word to say about this guy. Yeah, no, Walsh was Walshing last night. He gets all, he's been getting a lot of the ball this year as well. Just a lot of, you know, handball receives, just a lot of footy. And I, I think once we, again, sorry, I think we spoke about it last week about, and we've spoken about it all year, really, about how we probably would like him to hit the scoreboard a little bit more. I guess that's the one part of his game which he, you know, sort of set him apart last year, which he hasn't done this year. But what I will say is he's getting more of the ball. So yeah. I guess it's sort of it's a fair it's a fair swap. Um but yeah, I mean if he could hit the scoreboard, he'd be he'd be stupid. He'd be stupidly good. Oh yeah, no, no, he's playing really good footy. He's just come back from that ankle injury superbly. And he's just yeah, he's just keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? He really does. Hewitt, Georgie, wow, this guy, I, I think. It's similar to Weedering. He hasn't, I mean, he's never made a mistake in Carlton Colours. Not one. I haven't seen him turn it over once in Carlton Colours. And maybe he has, but I haven't seen it. He's he's a, tr- he's a tremendous player. Like, astonishingly good. And look, like, once you take into account that Patrick Cripps has essentially missed two games of footy this year, I think it's fair to say George Hewitt would be leading the best and fairest up to round six. Yeah. He, yeah, he yeah, has. No, no just- doubt. No doubt. He just really just hasn't put a foot wrong. He's, yeah, he's, he, you know what? He's just exactly what we needed in our team. Just this reliable, tough as nuts, you know, ball winning, tackling, accumulator, just brilliant. You know, he's, yeah, just doing everything that we could have asked of him and more. And what I'll say is another thing I want to speak about with Hewitt is when we got him over, I think everyone said he'd play that Ed Kerner type role, you know, defensive yep. midfielder, which he is. But what he does so well is his entries inside fifty. You know, he he's not just he's not just a defensive player. He's actually an attacking player as well. And we spoke about last week. He had thirteen clearances last night. He had six six clearances, but eight inside fifties, and that would have to be almost the most out of almost anyone in our team, eight inside fifties. He had eight tackles, um, seven score involvements. He had two goal assists. So, you know, he's, he's added that attacking side to his game as well. And obviously he went at 83% efficiency from his 30 disposals. So he is just, yeah. I mean, he's our best player. I think aside from Crips in terms of the BNF, he'd be coming first. So just incredible, incredible player and what a recruit. What a recruiting, yeah. He did have our most inside 50s for the game as well. So any, you know, six clearances to go with it. He's just, he's such a dynamic asset at the moment, and Hewitt. And I think, well, you know, we're very lucky to have him. It was a very shrewd recruiting from Nick Austin and co. And it's paying, it really is paying dividends. And he's, oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, yeah. Just, just an amazing player. And he's so dynamic, as you said. And he moves quickly. And he really hits targets. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on, Bolt. Um, 
probably now to the lower tier midfielders, I guess you can call them. I want to talk about, I'll speak about Cottrell first. Because I actually thought Cottrell was okay last night. Yep. No, he was. Once I think, uh, I think he's done enough to earn a spot for next week. Was it an outstanding game? No, but uh, I think it's just Cottrell almost, I guess, doing what he needed to do. He wasn't really, look, he's playing on the wing. He, he wasn't really advancing the ball. There wasn't a lot of forward movement with Cottrell by foot, um, but he gets in the way. He, I don't know. I, look, you know I don't love him, but I think he's done just about enough to see next to see next week. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think, look, I think he probably, as we said last week, you know, what didn't take much, but he probably had his best game for the club. And I thought last night he was actually pretty good again. I mean, you know, he had three tackles, five marks. He went at 85% efficiency from 14 touches, which is pretty good. I guess the thing that's changed with Cottrell is last year, pretty much every single time he got the ball, he turned it over. You know, it was either a turnover or it was just a bomb at long type kick. Whereas now I think he's lowered his eyes a little bit. He sort of, his decision-making is a little bit better. I think he's cleaned up his game a little bit, which has definitely helped. But yeah, I mean, I think he's probably going to keep his spot and, you know, he's actually been a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Just. <laughs> Setterfield and Nunes. Um, yeah, look. Well, Let's not beat around the bush. These two are major issues in our team right now. Well, they're significant issues. And I think I will speak about them separately because I don't think they're as big issues as each other. But I think, I mean, as yeah, Jack Nunes, you know, I, I just think the whole performance last night was just completely unacceptable, just completely so far from the level required to play AFL. It wasn't even funny. Well, I made the comment last week that I thought it was a very lazy, careless game. And last night, his last quarter was okay because, you know, the pressure had worn off a bit, the intensity worn off a bit. But the first three quarters were an absolute joke, like a real joke. He just – it reeked of a guy – that, you know, is playing in this team as a really experienced AFL player who just thinks he can go through the motions and, you know, he'll see next week and he'll be okay. Well, I'm telling you now, Jack, it's not going to be okay because I can't see a way forward with this team progressing and Jack Nunes' current form playing in this team. Yeah, I mean, he just got so exposed in a high-intensity environment. I mean... This was a high-intensity football match. Fremantle, their pressure was absolutely in the elite category last night. Like I think their pressure was superb. And Jack Nunes, when he didn't have the ball, was not playing at a high enough intensity to match that of Fremantle's. He was sluggish. He was, virtu- was borderline lethargic at some points where he was ball-watching slash close to the ball and not moving as quickly as he could have just looked like he was running in second gear. And then when he had the ball, he was just, just takes too long to make a decision. Um, 
just everything about his game was just so hard to watch. And, you know, you mentioned it last week. I think the words you used was that he usually handles his wing quite professionally. Um, I think that's what you said, but yep. I'll tell you what, that's just not even close to happening at the moment. Um, and I cannot see a world that he actually plays another game for us. I think we've seen what, you know, really, and we spoke about it. He probably shouldn't be on the list, let alone playing. And I think if he was in a position where we had, you know, adequate replacements and enough players in that position on our list, there's no way he'd still be on the list. But the reality is we don't have really enough, if any, you know, qualified wingers on our list. So that's why he's there. But yeah, he just shouldn't be playing. And I don't know if he'll play again for us after last night because that was pretty much yeah. as bad as it gets. Well, I think he only made the trip on because Matt Kennedy was out. But, you know, zero tackles, five pressure acts. Zero tackles. I mean, give me give me a spell. Give me yeah. a and spell. And one possession. No, nah, that's it, really it's a little... me off. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it, really it was just, it, once, it's just careless. It really is. Um, we'll move on. Setterfield, I think it's a concern, Bolt. You know, he's played all six games. He's had a real I think that's the con- in the team now. I think now. that's the concern. I think that's the concern that he's played all six games and hasn't, you know, and he's escaped without any consequence. As in, I, I saw Michael Voss lauding him before the game, saying what an important role he's playing for the team. As in, I, I'm happy no to back myself. Did he, say that? he said it yesterday in the build-up to his 50th game. Now, I'm, I'm happy to say to, about myself that I feel like I know football and I've got no idea what special, significant role Will Setterfield's playing in this team. Mm. I no, would have no, no idea. I mean, you know, uh, only nine, you know, he's playing on a wing all game. Once again, only nine possessions for Setterfield. And it, he, he, just, he just folds when there's an immense amount of pressure on him. In the middle two, you know, he had one disposal in the second quarter. He had zero in the fourth quarter. As in, come on, mate. Like, come on. I just, I don't know what his assets are, really. I don't know what his assets no, no, are. No one does. I don't know what he's good at. I don't know why he's in the team because he just hasn't done enough to warrant that selection. Um, and look, I think we can safely say the wing is not his best position. You know, in an no. ideal world, he's not playing there. But... The reality is our midfield is very good and he's not going to crack into playing into the guts, you know. Exactly. I'm going to adjust and I'm going to play well, you know, where they're asking me to play. Prime example of that is Jack Silvani. Jack Silvani, he'll play anywhere. He'll play. He is the coach's dream player, you know. Wherever you throw Jack Silvani, he's going to be good. He's going to give 100%. He's going to have some sort of relevance and he's just going to adjust. He's a team player. Jack Silvani doesn't care where he plays. They're just going to play him wherever and he'll do his job. Will Setterfield, you'd love him to take that approach. You'd love him to just sort of look half interested. You'd love him to throw his body on the line. You'd love him to run not in second gear. Um, And it's just, I mean, I think his second half of 2020 was really good playing in the guts. But the reality is he hasn't played there since. So it's two years now where he hasn't played there. Um you know, the club are clearly wanting him to play on the wing. That's all. It's the only position he's played in the last two years. And, you know, he's just not good enough. 
unfortunately, and I don't know where that leaves him in terms of a contract because he's out of contract at the end of the year, but he's just simply not good enough on the wing. He doesn't offer anything. For me, it's just, I find it bemusing that, you know, because his form hasn't necessarily wavered over the first six weeks. It hasn't really gone better or worse. And he's just, you know, been able to stay in this team. And I'll repeat, as in Lockie O'Brien is definitely someone that's going to be more suited to Carlson's game and he's going to offer us more. And whether it's, you know, they might have the same disposal count on most weeks, but it's what they're doing with it. It's just, it's a monumental difference. And yeah, Setterfield, his issue is he just doesn't bring anything to the table at the moment. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't offer anything. You know, you look at his stats last night. He had zero clearances. Um, he had five well, effective disposals. Five it's, it's, effective it's, it's, disposals. It's one. It's one a quarter. You can't tell it, me that's crap. offering anything. No, he's not. He's not. And you know, and, and and that's a player that if they play him again next week, that's seven weeks in a row of the Carlton match committee almost you know passively telling your fans, "Yep, he's done what he needs to do again." Well, he, he's just, he couldn't be. Yeah, I, I just think Setterfield's gonna, you know, he's probably a very good midfielder in the VFL, and it's just a guy that can't take his game into the senior team. Yeah, and I, I think possibly if he was playing for a team who needed plays in the guts, um, you know, if he was playing in the guts every week, he could possibly be a bit better. But I mean, no, at the moment, there's no spot for him there for us, and yeah, he just does. He can't play anywhere else, so. I mean, I don't know why, if Dow's not playing, why Setterfield is playing. Like, what's the difference? It's amusing. Well, I think that's all of our midfielders covered. Um, We're moving to the forward line. Pretty dirty day, I thought, for all of our forwards, to be honest. Um, They they just didn't get a lot of service. There there wasn't much going on down there for the middle two quarters. I mean, and, and this is saying something because he really, fr- I mean, he really frustrated me on so many occasions last night. Just missed marks, missed goals, set, uh, shots on goal. But Jack oh, Martin was, yeah. was, was, was probably our best forward last night. Um, you know, he laid the most tackles out of our forwards, kicked a goal. Um, he had four score involvements, two direct goal assists. And, and that's saying something because I thought that he was once again so, I guess, just wasted so many opportunities. You know, missed a, missed a shot in front of goal, missed a that mark. Set shot, that set shot miss was inexcusable. It would have put us within eight points of him. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, he, did, he, did drop, he did drop a mark as well. It was just, he, he he's, he's almost turned himself into an almost player, Jack Martin. He's just not the finished product. It's it's a shame. He's also 27 years old now. It's like he should be playing in his prime. This should be prime of Jack Martin. And it's just not. It's just not. And I don't know, I don't know why. Um, but he's just nowhere near the player that he used to be, unfortunately. Um, he was absolutely exceptional in 2020. And yeah, he's just not even close. Not even close to that. Um, but yeah, I thought he was probably one of our, he was probably our best forward on the night, which says a lot. Um, Durden and Owies had zero impact on the game. And this 
you know, very disappointed, very disappointing. Very disappointing. And oh, there was a moment, it would have been in the second quarter when always had the ball entering 50 and he would have been about 40 out and he had three options always. He could have, I think it was, it was actually Jack Martin. It was a really good run from Jack Martin in the middle of the ground. It's almost like in soccer, when the defenders are running towards goal, you almost halt your run and you double lead and you come back into the corridor. And he did that Jack Martin and the whole ground opened up for him. And always could have, it was an easy 30 meter kick across his body. Martin would have had a set shot in front of goal. That was one option. He could have had a shot or he could have done this dancy little kick to the pocket where Charlie Kerno was leading. And guess what he bloody did. Now, <laughs> I know it's one moment, but shit like this really gets under my skin. So it, it's a, Big stage of the game, well, probably leading at the time, early in the second quarter or just behind. And to not have the presence of mind, it was a beautiful lead by Martin, it really was. And to not have the presence of mind to do anything that was going to substantiate into a goal was mind-blowing for me. And always also dropped a couple of marks deep. Just a frustrating night. And, you know, mm-hmm. him and Durden, as in those two have held that, you know, they've had very minimal impact over the last two weeks. And those two have held this spot for the first six weeks deservingly, deservingly. But, you know, the issue for them and not so much us is there are players coming from below that could easily take their spots. And whether it's Jesse Motlop, who was a traveling emergency, whether it's Josh Honey, who's probably going to join the VFL fold next week, and whether it's Sam Philp, I'm not sure, but there's going to be pressure for spots there because, you know, they haven't done anything to suggest that they deserve to, B walk-up starts off, off the back of their last fortnight. No, I agree. I thought, um, you know, you know me. I like Owies and Durden. I like this. No, I've got, I like him as well. But we have to reward the form. No, and, and to be honest, what I was going to say is, you know, I like them, but Owies needs a spell. Owies needs a serious spell. I think there yeah. were a few moments last night which were just not good enough. And we just can't, you know, if we're going to be harsh and if we're going to be brutal with some other players, then we have to be with him as well, have to be consistent. And yet there were some moments in this game which I was just thinking, well, you know, that's not an AFL standard from Owies. So, you know, he 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 needs a spell. He needs a serious spell. Um, I'd be making that swap. I'd be playing Motlop next week, to be honest. And, well, Durden, I mean, I guess we can, you know, I guess the excuse for Durden is that, you know, he's still young and he's played, what, six, seven games of AFL football. But at the same time, it's a brutal reality that he probably also needs a spell um, because this is a few games in a row now where he hasn't done much. And look, it's not for someone like Corey Durden, it's probably not the end of the world to go back to the twos either because, you know, as you said, he's only played seven games. He's very young. He's got a he's got a future ahead of him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But sometimes going back to the twos, getting a bit of confidence, getting your hands on the ball, hitting the scoreboard is what you need. And you know whether I think one of them will drop, and whether it's him or Owies, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but one of them will go. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I guess we saw Zach Fisher. Um, oh, God. Just really disappointing because last week was probably his best game almost. And his performance last night, he had nine disposals, four of them effective. So he had, you know, four effective disposals in the game, went at 44% efficiency. Um, 
no clearances, no inside 50s, no rebound 50s. He had three tackles, and that was that, you know, just a nothing game. If you uh, you would have assumed Zach Fisher went to Perth to have dinner with his family on Saturday night. Absolutely embarrassing from Zach Fisher. Once again, it, it's and it, it's such a shame because for a guy like Zach Fisher to finish a night like that with 28 metres gained, 28, no run and carry, no creativity, no pizzazz, barely got the ball. I think he would have had five disposals to three-quarter time, no scoreboard, offered absolutely zero, and it's a pretty scathing assessment, but it was a horrible game from Fisher off the back of a really good week against Port Adelaide. And once again, he'll be there next week. I'm not suggesting he won't, but that was as grim as it gets from Zach Fisher last night. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I guess just, I, I think you know, players I mean, like that, we've, we've always spoken about the, 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 the notion that Carlson's growth is going to come from these players below, your second, third-tier players, and Zach Fisher's almost the poster boy of that group of players. And for Zach Fisher... On a, night, on a very big oval, on a night where we didn't, you know, we weren't granted a lot of space. I get it. We were playing against a team that defended really well. They controlled us really well. But all he needed was four or five really impactful disposals where he can maybe zip through, give a little one-two, break a line. It just didn't happen for him. He struggled, and it was a, it was a really dark night for him. It was. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think the issue is really that, you know, he probably. You mentioned, you know, he's, you know, he's not his spot's not up for question. Well, is that not the issue? You well, know, well, that, that that is an issue in itself. But no, I, I I don't love the thought of dropping plays off one really bad game in isolation because I, I did I really did rate his game against Port Adelaide. But you know, if we're going to assess last night on its own, which we are right now on this episode, it was it was just so poor. H and Charlie, well, we spoke about H earlier, obviously injured, clearly hampered. We know that H is better, better than that. And, you know, he's had a really good year. So we're not going to we're not gonna touch on him too much because I think, you know, H's past performances like that, you know, that he's, I, don't, I don't think he's ever played a game where he's had as little of an impact as he did last night. So just clearly yeah. injured, clearly carrying an injury. And, well, I guess the delivery to Charlie just, wasn't what it needed to be and no. unfortunately he um was not able to get involved as much as he would have liked yeah it was a very tough game for our key forwards they weren't getting a lot um did they actually say what was wrong with Mackay? what well, was the knee they were looking at the knee but i don't know fair enough and then kerno kerno tried you know it wasn't through a lack of effort with charlie kerno no, I know. And, and Charlie Kerno took some nice marks. And, I'm, and, you know, he was far from the issue, far from the yeah. issue last night. You know, seven kicks, seven marks, two goals, one. I've seen way worse. You know, I think he could probably help hold his head up high walking off. You know, he's a goal off winning. Oh, Jeremy Cameron just kicked seven. But I was going to say he, he was close to the top of the Coleman at the end of last night. But he's kicked 16 goals. Um, you know, Kerno was fine. Well, let's quickly uh, give our best and fairest votes. Um, I think that is every player dissected. BNF votes, do you have a 3-2-1? Well, Cripps would get my three. 
Yeah, same. Um, Adam Shera gets my two. Same. And I would probably say, oh, you know, probably Sam Doherty for me. Mm, fair enough. I'd Hewitt getting one. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Weedering could easily be in that mix as well. Sam Walsh, same, same. Same, same. It always is, really. <laughs> VFL, we'll quickly dissect the VFL before we get to Twitter questions. Um, so this was a really good win, actually, for the Carlton Reserves because they were yes. down early. They, I think they were down 25-2, to two, managed to get the match back on their terms, and they ran away with a 93-74 to 74 victory. Uh, the last five goals of the game? Yes, last five goals of the game. So 14 goals scored by our reserves team. Three were to Crocker, two were to Cahill, so they're not AFL-listed player players. Uh, Cripper's brother, Josh Cripps, he kicked two as well. But for our AFL-listed players, it was Jack Carroll who kicked two, Dow kicked one, Kemp kicked one, Williamson kicked one, and O'Brien kicked one. And then that 14th goal was Will Hayes, who's also not an AFL-listed player. But, um, Bolt, I think... Let's just let's just talk about some of the players who are pushing for selection here because I think we might have a debut next week. Yeah, um, I agree. I think Jack Carroll is ready. 25 disposals and two goals. They clearly like the guy. He was an emergency in round one. He had eight inside 50s. He had six marks. He had two tackles um, and 25 disposals there, 19 of them being kicks. I think it's time. Could yep. Could we possibly play him on a wing? I don't know. He's definitely an in and under player. But even if Matt Kennedy's fit and ready to come in, I don't necessarily have an issue with playing another midfielder because, you know, Kennedy can easily float forward. Cripps can float forward. You know, I think I think we have to add another midfielder into the mix. Yeah, and, you know, we're playing North Melbourne next week and, you know, their last two games against the Bulldogs and Geelong, the trend has been that teams are just dominating, you know, around the footy, you know, stoppages, the disposal counts have been an absolute embarrassment for North the last two weeks. And it's just, you know, two very deep midfield groups in Geelong and the Bulldogs just getting so overwhelming North. And so I'd have no issues bringing that extra midfielder in and getting him up, getting him up around the ball, around the ground next week. So I do think we are due to see Carroll. And I, I, yeah, I think it's definitely on. Yeah, and I'm very excited because we've, you know, the rated he's rated very highly internally. Like they 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 seriously rate him internally. So um yeah, I'm very excited to see what he offers. Um I think we'll see Lockie O'Brien return because he was absolutely outstanding yesterday. No, I mean look, it is VFL oh. twenty-four disposals, a goal, seven marks, four rebound fifties. Yeah, he was outstanding yesterday. And, you know, if you look at our wings in the in the firsts last night, you know, he's definitely going to come in for one of them. Yeah, fair uh, enough. And the other one I was intrigued about from the reserves, or Dow and Stocker are the other two. Well, yeah, we'll quickly touch on both of them. Stocker had 26, um, seven marks, couple tackles, couple six rebound 50s. He was fantastic again, and I think Stocker as well will definitely come in. Um, and Paddy Dow, he had 16 disposals and a goal, five tackles. So, I mean, he's you know he's also knocking the door down. I don't know he's if quiet, Dow, though. I was going to say I don't know if he comes in because I think Carroll now comes in ahead of him. 
But, yeah, I mean, throws his name into the ring again. For sure. It'll be very interesting what they do. Just running through some of the other players. So I've heard they're trialing Williamson on a wing in the twos. Um, now I haven't, as I haven't watched the whole game, but I watched bits and pieces and, um, yeah, Williamson had 17 touches, a goal, six marks, four inside fifties. Uh, I think from what I've heard he's certainly been improved in the twos since moving to a wing and it sort of makes sense. I think it makes sense playing Williamson on a wing, you know, he's quick, he's chaos. He's, he's very courageous. I think that's never been something that we've, that we've, you know, questioned is Williamson's courage. You know, he goes in there, I guess he's just, you know, a chaotic player. But what are your uh, thoughts on think... what are your thoughts on him on the wing? And uh, is it something that you're interested in seeing? It's not. I, I don't think we can get away with Williamson and Cottrell on the same team. Well, I don't think we would. I'm saying if there was one of them. Um, yeah, like he had spurts even at the back end of was it last year or the year before? He was almost playing a high half forward role as well. And he was, oh, like, by his standards, half decent. But, eh, like, you could see it for a week and I'll let you know. <laughs> Fair enough. So other AFL-listed players, Fogarty, he had 19 disposals. Um, Murkov had seven, but 42 hitouts. And I think it was Nick Wishart who was saying on Twitter, you know, how highly he rates Murkov and how impressed he's been by Murkov. So that's exciting to hear. Um, and, you know, 42 hitouts, it's a fair, it's a fair effort. Um, well, he might be getting a look in sooner than he anticipated with, you know, pitting it now. And... Yep, absolutely. Um, Akui, he had 11, which is, I think, the most he's had this year. Uh, yep, he defends still. Yes. Philp had 11, didn't hit the scoreboard. I almost think if Philp kicks a couple goals, he comes in. But we'll yeah, wait. he is the other one I'd love to see at some point. Well, they could they could swing the axe. They could bring Philp in for an Oes or Durden. I mean, yeah, or well, it might be Mott. It sounds like Mott Lop's closer and kicking more goals when when playing. Yeah, yeah, uh, and Kemp fifteen and a goal, and I think that's it for our AFL listed players. Fair enough. Is Kemp a chance? To play footy soon for I the thought firsts, so. they wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought so. He's just he he, he baffles me a bit, Kemp, just because I don't know what's doing. Yeah, he's in terms of the, position. Uh, I, yeah, I just don't quality. know where he's at. Yeah, you know, I think the other one that's becoming week by week a, a pretty not, notable noticeable absentee, uh, and it's it's becoming so much more. It's David Cunningham. And he's still quite a while away, but gee, uh, he's just, you know, I know he's not an established AFL player as such, but he walks into this team, Cunningham. And I think he adds something on that wing, which we just don't have. You know, I think I actually can't wait for him to become available. I agree. I think Cunningham will be a massive in. I think he's going to slot into this system really well. I think that's the thing that I can say is, He'll slot into the system well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, he's going to walk in and be the best wing on the list. It's as simple as that. Yep. Just walk He's playing really good footy before the ACL last year. So Yeah, well, he was in career best form. Yeah. He was definitely in career best form. Uh, Bolt, before we end the show, Twitter questions. 
Yeah. Um, I'm just going to get them ready. I'm going to fire through them because we haven't got enough, uh, a lot of time left on this Zoom call. Damon Mule, firstly, did you meet Damon last night? Did he get you yeah, that? Yeah, no, no, we, 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 we caught up before the game um, yes, towards the Carlton end. You love to hear it. Good fella. Very good. Well, if he's in Melbourne, we'll be sure to uh, treat him to a beer. Um, he said, how stock is playing twos while Boyd is getting a game? Williams is woeful with the ball in hand. Another week conceding five goals in a row. Teams move it way too easily against us. Sometimes it looked as simple as players not manning up junior football mistakes. Um, yeah, it, it, it very much is the case of that with Carlson. It's just, you know, if you're not going to be able to get the basics right, well, you know, how are you going to win a game against a pretty good side like that away from home? Well, the answer is you're not. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it, it, for me, it's just... They have to take care when, you know, defending the ground. Because I actually think, you know, it's our second loss of the season. But if you compare this loss to the last one, I actually think our endeavour was there. I actually thought we had a crack. I thought around the ball, around the contest, we actually, I actually thought we dug in a bit. But it was just once it got out, it was just free over off to the races. It was just, it wasn't even close for us. So, and that's where we got smashed. It's on the Gold Coast. We couldn't get the ball. We couldn't exert the ball out of packs. There wasn't that same endeavor. So I thought it was definitely a lift in intensity from us around the footy, but we just weren't good enough when it got out. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Um, Vin says our bottom six aren't serviceable enough. We won't be a good team until they are. Pittanet wasn't the issue either. Our midfield got the ball, but they were killed around the ground. No spread or defensive running on the Fremantle transition. Poor pressure. Zero. Poor pressure and positioning from our smalls too. Well, I think Vin's just basically summed up the game there. Really good tweet. Yeah. We and yeah, we didn't endeavor to switch the ball. We switched it once. And I, you know, you can ask Porty who I was sitting with. I'll, I'll say you, you could see it from where I was sitting. I was like, they got to get the ball to this side because you, you know we'll have the overlap. And they did. And we kicked a goal out of it. And it just didn't happen enough. They weren't trying to, you know, create. It was just the easy option up the line and see what happens. And it was disappointing. And, yeah, the bottom six is an issue. It was all, you know what, as well, that that first quarter, conceding that goal with 40 seconds to go before quarter time, imagine the psychological difference it, it, it takes to go into a game away from home at quarter time, keeping the other team goalless. Mm. Mm. Like a stark difference. It was, oh, that, yeah, didn't sit well with me either. Um, Brett Cox says, love the show, guys. What does Setterfield bring to the team that seems to guarantee him a spot in the 22? I see flashes of decent play, but he should be a fringe player at best rather than yeah. a lot to play AFL. Would much rather get games into Carroll, Philp on a wing slash high half forward. Thoughts. Well, firstly, thank you, Brett, um, that you love the show. That's great to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think we've touched on Setterfield in depth, and I think we agree, Bolt, don't we? Yeah, it's hard to disagree with anything you said. Once again, it's more the fact that it's six weeks in a row of the match committee telling us that he's doing something that deserves to be picked every week when uh, we can't see it. Bolt Michael Cerevolo says, I feel like at times we are too Harry Charlie focused. How can we change our ways to get the smalls more involved? Yeah, I think it's, oh, this is going to sound harsh, but it's almost 
the onus is on the smalls rather than us. Completely agree. Completely agree. You're not going to go inside 50 targeting the small. No. You know, they have to create. They've got to be rummaging around the packs. They've got to be live in every single contest. And they just weren't able to do it. No, I agree. You know, small forwards create their own opportunities. It's as simple as that. You're never going to target a small forward. Uh, and you're never going to really try and get them more involved. That's up to them. So, yeah, it's totally on them. Uh, Shimbo says, let's be positive. How good is Kripa in front of goal? He's gone from one yeah. of the worst set shots in the side to the best in the league. It's a brilliant transformation. His set shot kicking is elite. Yep, yeah, it really is. Uh, Tommy says, as, as with our game against the Suns, how significant do you think the impact on the ground is losing Pitonet? It's huge. It can't be understated. DeConning responded way, way better than what he did on the Gold Coast. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's a significant out. It really is. It, it can't be understated. I don't think it is from anyone that knows and watches Carlton. Yeah, no, I agree with that. <laughs> Pete Rogers said, imagine paying the wages, flights and accommodation for this level of return. And he's just... <laughs> screenshotted some stats from some of our, uh, yeah, I guess, low-performing players last night. <laughs> um, yep. Pat Green, disappointing performance. What's the plan B in the ruck going forward? What needs to change to have better ball movement going inside 50? Harry and Charlie are often on top of each other with the long bombs. Harry mindset when things go wrong early is a concern. It's happened before thoughts. I know. It, 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 yeah. As in when our keys aren't on, it definitely looks like there's just no avenue to go. And, you know, not having, even though know, not having the presence of Mackay on the ground, we just lost complete system ahead of the footy. I think, yeah, I think it's a discussion that we should probably touch on is where we're getting our goals from. I think it's a real issue. I mean, round one was exactly what you want to see where our tools don't really get involved and we still manage to kick 100 points and win the game. That's what you want to see. You'd rather your goals coming from elsewhere. But, yeah, I mean, since then, it sort of has been a case of, well, if the tools aren't firing, then we aren't firing. And, yeah, you'd love our midfielders to hit the scoreboard a little bit more. I mean, Cherry didn't kick a goal. uh, Walsh didn't kick a goal. Hewitt didn't kick a goal. Yeah, I mean... I think we need more goals from our mids outside of Crips. Yeah. All right. Damien Birmingham, it's time to get Fed's income on selection. Boyd, Cottrell, Newman, and Setterfield to start. They just can't cut it at the top level, not to mention our missing small forwards. I can understand one having a bad game, but Dirt and Fisher and Owies all did bugger all. We have depth. We need to use it. I agree. And there's, and as we've said, there's a lot coming through in terms of our small forward stocks. And I think it's time we change it up a bit and see what they're all about. Michael Henriksen says, is our list too shallow resulting in that a few injury resulting in that a few injuries will stop us making finals? Yeah, it probably is. The list isn't where it, you know, ideally needs to be in terms of to be that safe top four, top six team, um, once you do lose a few soldiers, um, I don't think that's a secret. But, you know, once again, we've got enough stars that if the, if the other people that are playing 
somewhat serviceable and somewhat do the even the bare minimum of what needs to be done, it can almost carry you home. Yeah. Uh, just one or two more before we end it, Bolt. Um, Dom in the Den says, are we revisiting selection mistakes of previous administrations? Too many yep. players being gifted games when we, have, when we have players like Dow with years of AFL experience carving up the VFL and not getting a run. Nunes and Cottrell aren't our future. I've got to say, yeah, the, the selection, I think, has definitely declined over the last two or three weeks. It's been a bit confusing. Um, yeah, to be completely honest. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that either. This, I, I've been a bit baffled by some of the selection queries. I'll put it to you this way. We beat Port Adelaide by three points who hadn't won a game. How did they think the same team was going to go over to Perth and beat a team who's four and one and playing really good footy? How did they think um, that was going to happen? I'm unsure. I really am unsure. As in whether it's a thing of expectation, what they want out of players. It's really hard to gauge. And that's where the, the, conf- the confusion around team selection has been coming into play. Jim Fidloss says, what chance are Stocker and Carroll to come in next week? And then Willie. I'd say a pretty good chance. Yep. Tim W, noticing every time H goes interstate, we record a disappointing result. Do our issues extend to being a poor team when we travel interstate? Uh, sorry. Well, it's uh, definitely something you have to become more competent with. You know, you have to be able to win on the road. And you've just got to win dirty on the road. You've just got to get the points and you've got to, you know, it. it a different, you know, a lot of teams build their season off really brave wins on the road when your back's against the wall. And at the moment, it just doesn't seem like we have the ability to do that right now. Jimmy Faz, the great man, he says, if Harry is injured, who is your replacement? Everyone will jump to Kemp, but I wouldn't mind seeing Kennedy back there to be a little bit more mobile, possibly young if Oscar is fit. Thoughts? I will... Yeah, and if Oscar is fit, it might be him going to the full forward like we saw early, early on last year. Um, we'll get Silvani back. Um, and, yeah, I, once again, I've got no issue with Kennedy going down there because he's good overhead. He's a pretty good size. So, yeah, I think there is there are, as he said, mobile options to put down there. Wilson, our bottom six is our biggest problem compared to all the strongest teams. How far away from we are, are we from resolving that through development and recruitment, hopefully by the end of next year? Yeah, I was going to say, give it a year or two or three. Who knows? All right. I think, uh, I think that's it for Twitter questions, Bolt. Let's quickly do team changes before we end the show. I'm going to throw in what I would do, and then I'll get your thoughts on what I would yep. do and what changes you would make. Uh, if I'm the coach of this club and I'm – trying to win next week's game against North Melbourne on Saturday night at Marvel. I am taking Nunes out of this team. I think that ship has well and truly sailed. Um, So Nunes would be dropped for me. uh, I would say that just having a look, I think Boyd goes out as well. Assuming Pinnanet is injured, Pinnanet will go out as well. And I would take Oes out as well. Um, actually, you know what? I take Durden out. I think Durden always probably had a slightly better game than Durden last night. 
So that's four outs being one of Owies and Durden, Nunes, Pittenet, and Boyd. And I'm bringing in Kennedy, Silvani, Motlop. And I will be playing, oh, and I'll bring in Stocker as well. Probably Motlop as the sub. Oh, actually, no, you can't. Gee, it's interesting. Um, There's options, which are good. As in, uh, for me, it's... Sorry, just before, I I think Silvani, Kennedy, Motlop, and Stocker, or Carroll as well, I think those five have to come in with one of them being the sub. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm going to go with... I'm not going to count Jordan Boyd because he was the sub. So in terms of the 22, I think we will see... Pitternet go out. I think Nunes will go out. I think Setterfield will go. And I think Owies will go. I think those four will go. Yep. And we'll bring in Silvani, Kennedy, Carroll, and Stocker for me. Yeah, I like that. And Mutlock the sub. And I think Newman will play on the wing. And Mutlock the sub. Yep, I can handle that. All right. I like it. I like it. I think that is probably the changes that I would like to see made. Uh, the one I'd really like to see next week is Stocker and probably Carroll as well. Those are the two I'm itching to see, particularly Jack Carroll, because we've heard a lot about him and it would be nice to add another midfielder to this group. Bolt, sure. I think that's all for this week. Once again, apologies that we did this over the Zoom. Bolt, just before we end the show, though, a quick announcement from us. We have launched a Substack account for those who are unfamiliar with Substack. I guess it's sort of it's a platform where where you can just post whatever content you'd like to, and it's you know a bit of a feed. You can post podcasts, videos, articles. So we are going to start posting a lot of content on there. If people would like to support us, they can jump on our Substack, pay a small subscription fee, and yeah, get a whole lot of content, more podcasts, news articles, special guests yep. during the week. Have I forgotten anything, Bolt, with the subset? Yeah, no, it's just, and it all goes directly to your inbox as well. It's just literally additional podcasts. So we'll have, obviously, this podcast will remain free and accessible for everyone, 100%, but this just additional content. So if you want more, if you're podcast. thirsty for more Carlton news, Carlton content, more discussion, because we'll, you know, there'll be some podcasts where we just maybe focus on one little thing and have a roundtable discussion. Who knows? We're pretty open, and obviously people can get involved as well. So it's a good opportunity for everyone, I think, and we'll see how we go. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing which you've just touched on there is people can join and have discussions in this group on Substack, which will be um, really cool as well because we'd love to hear all of your thoughts on everything, Carlton. So we'll post a link on our socials. But uh, yeah, be sure to get around us. Um, And yeah, we'll be having, I think the schedule is going to look like a couple of additional podcasts every week with some special guests, news articles, discussions, um, and much more. And anything you'd like to see, just let us know and we'll be sure to get it on there. But Bolt, another show in the books, four and two, two must-win games coming up. You know, these are two non-negotiable games against North and Adelaide. I think if we lose either of them, it's it's pretty much a disaster to be, you know, if we're not six and two with the first eight games that we've had, I think it's a bit of a disaster. Yeah, no, we have to get to six and two. No questions asked. Bolt, thank you. 
No stress. Safe flight back to Melbourne and we'll see you during the week. Thank you. I'll see you then. Fantastic. Cheers, mate. We'll speak soon. Against the famous old dark moon.